friends, welcome back to the Proverbs 31 Ministries podcast, where we share biblical truth for any girl in any season. I'm your host, Meredith Brock, and I am here with my co-host, Kaylee Olson. Hi, Meredith. It's great to be back with you today. And I've got some friends with me in the room for the podcast. You can see them, but our listeners can't. So welcome, Lisa Turkhurst and Joel Mutamale. Thank you. So excited to have you here. All right, friends, today's episode is going to be a little different than our normal flow. Think of it kind of like a conversation rather than a teaching because we're going to talk about drum roll, please. How to disagree and be a Christian. Oof. Kind of a tough topic, right, Mayor? That's right. right. And let's all just take a deep breath before we dive into our discussion. And let me just use this as an opportunity to say how grateful I am that we have a president and a theological director here at Proverbs 31 who are extremely passionate about Mm -hmm. biblical truth. Seriously. Both of you lead us in the way in seeking biblical answers to the sticky topics that we face every day, and I'm really, really grateful for it. And so I know today we're going to do exactly that. We're going to tackle a sticky topic in a biblical way. Yeah, and I know a lot of times the first thing we can think about in how to disagree and be a Christian is our minds immediately go to politics, but this covers everything. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is how to disagree and be a Christian like how to agree I mean we were just disagreeing Christian. I think that the word the combination of going to should actually be gunu and my friends here in the room think that it should be gunna yes I mean we're definitely in a disagreement maybe I mean, Joel and Lisa can help us untangle how to get out of this disagreement or maybe the dictionary already settled it for us aka the word of no, God no it's supposed G-O-N-N-A. to be gunu no it's not it's gunna if All my will... friends on social media, back me up. Oh, friends, here we go. Back me up. It's gunu all At day long. Meredith or if you want to be correct, just look in the dictionary. It's gunna. G-O-N-N-A. Oh, boy. Here we are disagreeing <laughs> right at the beginning of our podcast all well, about how to disagree. This is great. I already right. wrote that down in my notes I just, love to, it. just to start us off. But I'm actually going to pass it off to our friend Joel, and he's going to set up our conversation for today. Yeah, so actually interesting. We were going to start in John 17 with Jesus' high priestly prayer, but Lisa and I were just talking, and I think one of the things, man, I am just so grateful for, and I know as a team we often talk about is how good and gracious is God that he gives us his words for us so that when we're having to tackle something as difficult as, like, I'll be honest, sometimes I think disagreement, is that even allowed? Right. If we're Christian, Christians, right. like, are right. we allowed to even? Um, well, good news. The scriptures give us so much uh, insight, both explicitly and implicitly. They both teach it with their words and also give us some pictures of actual mm. disagreements that take place in the Bible to give us some insight on how to learn. But Lisa, you brought up actually that Jesus has not just one prayer. Actually, there are a couple of prayers throughout mm-hmm. the Gospels. And one of them is kind of a private personal prayer that he's got. That's right. And I think it, that Jesus really sets this up in Matthew chapter 6 to be a daily prayer. And I'll mm. show you why I think that. But if you look in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, and we're going to go all the way through verse 15. If you look at this prayer, uh, Jesus is teaching us, this is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we get to verse 11. This is the first request, which lends me to believe that this is supposed to be a daily prayer. Mm -hmm. It says, give us today our daily bread. Mm -hmm. So to me, 
he's setting in the prayer up, establishing who God is and that we are bending our will to God's will. Mm. And then the request, give us today our daily bread, that that teaches me that this is supposed to be something that we're doing each day. Mm-hmm. But then he goes and takes a turn in the prayer that is surprising to me because if you were to write out, okay, Jesus, here's your script. Now, Meredith, obviously you're not Jesus, nor are you <laughs> Jesus's script writer. Yeah. Right? Wow. We're all grateful for that. <laughs> but just think about this. If you were to write the rest of what is going to become known as the Lord's Prayer, what topics would you include? And I think maybe I would say, you know, Jesus, teach us how to make requests of God, and mm-hmm. which he did. Maybe I would say establish that we need to bend our will to his will, mm-hmm. and that certainly he did. But then he goes on and teaches about forgiveness and makes that such a big theme. Confession and forgiveness becomes the major two themes of his prayer. And I don't know if I was writing out the Lord's Prayer that I would have made the bulk of the focus on confession and forgiveness. I find this very, very interesting because right after, give us today our daily bread, verse 12, and forgive us our debts, which is basically confessing like, Lord, forgive me for what I have done that has cost other people something, mm-hmm. right? And and I think the word debt there is very specific. And Joel, you may know a little more information about that. But if you think about every time I do something to you, Meredith, or to you, Kaylee, I'm costing you something because mm-hmm. there is there's relationship equity that mm-hmm. we have. So I like that phraseology. Forgive um, when I have I have created a debt with someone else in a relationship sense. Like forgive me of what I've cost other people. I confess this, but then he said and. Uh, so, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do you see the language there? It makes an assumption that we are forgiving hmm. and it's supposed to be a daily practice. Wow. And for me, I have lost the art of daily confession and daily forgiveness, which if I look at how much tension there is in this world, think if before anyone ever got on social media if we made it our practice to forgive the ones that are going to offend us, gonna see how I wove that in. <laughs> <laughs> Zing, folks! There it is. But just imagine how different life would look if every person made it their daily practice mm, to. Wow before they interact with other humans via social media or online or even in person, if we spent time with the Lord confessing, which already then humbles us to a place that I think is a great relationship place to start. Like, I'm so not perfect. Mm -hmm. I need grace, so I'm going to freely give grace. Yeah. And then the very best time to forgive is before we're ever offended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what if we had that mantra going in? And then, it, of course, it doesn't stop there. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So this makes me kind of think even the and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one i almost wonder if jesus is pointing here some of the biggest temptations that we're going to have some of the the 
the ways that the enemy is going to try to come after you is in relationship with other people. Wow. And your temptation is going to be to not want to humble yourself, (laughs) to not want to confess, to not want to give grace, and to not want to forgive. And instead, be a collector of wrongs, Mm -hmm. be a prover of your stance, Mm -hmm. and to be the kind of person where your opinion is the truth, Mm -hmm. and you'll fight to the death to win the battle, but ultimately maybe we're losing the war, you know, in relationships. And so I think this is a really important place to start. I think it's also interesting right before Matthew six in Matthew chapter five, there's a couple of very important instructions that are given in Matthew five, 25, we are reminded settle matters quickly. Um, and of course, this is about taking people to court, but I think it's also don't don't let things fester with people. Mm-hmm. You want to be slow to anger, but I think we are supposed to settle matters quickly and like mm-hmm. just get to a, a more settled place. And then, of course, we get down to verse 38 in Matthew uh, chapter 5, and it says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat also. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And then right after that, it talks about... uh, In verse 43, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So I'm not talking about abusive situations here. I'm talking about not being so quick to be so offended Mm. online. Mm. And, you know, yeah, if you get online and somebody posts something on your social media and it costs you something, maybe it costs you some of your emotional energy, I think maybe refer to some of these verses Mm -hmm. and go, you know, this is probably the greatest moment to shame Satan back to hell Mm -hmm. and to rise up and show the distinctive of what it looks like for someone to give love when opposition is present. And I, I think in my mind, whenever I'm online especially, and someone is fighting against something or disagreeing or something or using harsh words or leaving an ugly comment or whatever, I think one of two things can happen. It can become like blood in the ocean where the enemy smells Mm. the potential for anger and bitterness and retaliation and an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Mm -hmm. And I think the enemy comes close. And I think God is reminding us, um, this is your this is your moment. Defeat the enemy right here by returning love for something that was not so kind. Wow. Or so even just overlooking it, you yeah. know? Right. I think that's so powerful, Lise. I I want to boil it down to like a really simple thing. What you just said, those are all, all those words you just shared were Jesus's words himself. Mm-hmm. And he made it very clear. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to have disagreements. Did y'all hear? She just said, gonna. I'm so proud of you. This is She's amazing. Just waiting. She's waiting um, to catch me. <laughs> but but even if she said, gonna or whatever, right. I'm going to give you grace because look See? at what we're talking look about today. Be- well, and the bottom line is there will be disagreements. Yeah. And nowhere in any of those words did Jesus say, and keep talking. 
and keep arguing mm-hmm. until yeah. you figure out who's right or who's right. wrong. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in all of that, nowhere in that did he say any of that. And I think that's a really important, instead he focused on that person. What, what was the line? Confession and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. He focused there in his prayer. He could have used any of those, any other angle in that prayer. And what it came down to was the person's heart itself. So powerful. I think that's a great place for us to start understanding disagreements. And, you know, Meredith, I think sometimes as Christians we say, well, yeah, but don't I need to get in and defend the truth? Right. And I say, absolutely, you need to be confident of the truth. But if you are going to defend the truth Mm. and violate a bunch of truth, in your defense of truth, right? are you really defending the truth? And I can't really figure out why sometimes people are so eager to feel like they have to defend God himself with their own opinion. Hmm. I just think Mm -hmm. state the word of God and let it sit, but even more importantly, live the word of God, Mm -hmm. and that's how you take a true stand. I love that. I mean, I, I really, really love that. Yeah. Joel, I know you had um, another prayer that mm-hmm. you wanted to, to kind of unpack with us a little bit. So we've kind of talked through Jesus's mm-hmm. daily prayer that he used as a model for us to follow. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about this other prayer that you have in mind. Well, building off of what Lisa had said, I think that if some of us are honest, I'll be me. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to say, well, that's great because you're Jesus. (laughs) Like you're the son, the divine son of God. So it's easy, Jesus, for you to be able to say these words about about forgiveness. Mm. I mean, but I think it's really important to understand the context of what Jesus was actually walking into. Mm. Jesus is actually entering day by day, minute by minute, second by second, the cross is in front of him. Wow. He's about to bear the entire burden of all of sin, not just sin present, but sin past, Mm -hmm. sin future, Mm -hmm. on his perfect, divine, and 100% human body. Mm. Uh, Jesus is about to experience these things. And that's kind of the context of John chapter 17, Jesus's high priestly prayer. Uh, Right away in verse uh, 1 and 17, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Right, so this is that that indication Whoa. that the cross is yeah. coming yeah. up. And if you have time, I just want to encourage you to read John seventeen. It's just a great prayer, a great chapter to meditate on. But I want to jump to verse eleven because I think what Jesus does for us in this priestly prayer is he gives us insight into his very unique and special relationship with the Father that gives us an indication of how we can live in relationship with people. Uh, In verse eleven Jesus says, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me that, catch this, they may be one, even as we are one. Wow. So there is, I think, at times an assumption that in order to not have disagreement, you have to have unity and uniformity. And it's just funny. We're even kind of getting there with the Gunna or Ganu, right? <laughs> it's like, I just desperately want all of us to say this thing the same way and have a uniformed approach. But is it possible that there are people in the Midwest that maybe did not pay attention to the dictionary? <laughs> Very good chance. Right? And they're running around saying Ganu. And some of us are saying 
gonna. Mm -hmm. And now we have this kind of unity in the sense of we're all saying we're about to do something, but there's a diversity in the way we actually say it. Wow. Right? Um, And this is so important because it gets us into the doctrine of the Trinity, namely that God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are one. They are one in essence. They are one God. Yet, in the way that they relate to humanity, they are diverse in their function. God the Father sends the Son. God the Son obeys the Father, dies on the cross, raises from the dead. As God the Son leaves and enters into heaven, the Spirit of God indwells us. We see right away in the Godhead this beautiful implication that you can actually have true, beautiful unity, yet experience diversity. Hold on. I I think we all need to pause. I think my brain's just came out my ears. (laughs) My mind is blown right now. I've never heard this before. Of the idea of, I mean, I don't know how I haven't made the true connection, but what a beautiful thing to see unity between the triune God Mm -hmm. and all three different functions being so very different. Yeah. And what a picture of it, of it, what it should be for the body of Christ. Like Mm -hmm. what? Whoa. Keep talking. Yeah. Um, And I think what that does for us is it now begs us to ask the question, well, Joel, that sounds great in a sense of theology and kind of 30,000 foot, but then what? does happen when we get into quarrels or we get into disagreements. And so maybe the first thing is, I would suggest that there are close-handed and open-handed areas of our faith. And Lisa, we talk about this often. These close-handed things are the things that we are going to die on the hill over. I mean, mm. it is the the deity of Jesus, that he is 100% God, 100% man. Um, it is the word of God that is, is inspired and true. There are a lot a lot of secondhand issues. There are a lot of things that people have very great conversations around. And even over the things that we might disagree firsthanded, there's a way to do it with gentleness, mm-hmm. with compassion, yeah. with grace. And we actually mm-hmm. see Jesus and the Apostle Paul do it that way. And but, according to the daily prayer that Lisa was just referencing. Let's just read a couple um, verses that Paul, because I think we need to keep in mind the potential consequence mm. of what happens if we actually enter into disagreement and quarrels. So 2 Timothy 2.14, Paul says uh, to Timothy, remind them of these things and charge them before God, what? Not to quarrel about words, which does no good, mm. but I love this, but only ruins the hearers. Wow. When we quarrel, when we get into disagreements, and I just think about the multiplied impact, Lisa, you brought up social media. Mm-hmm. We have no idea who's going to copy and share, who's going to comment, yeah. how the algorithm of Facebook and Instagram is going to say, oh, because Kaylee liked this mm-hmm. post. Now, all of Kaylee's friends are going to see this one comment. Well, if that comment is destructive in nature, it has the potential of ruining mm-hmm. those hearers. In Second Timothy 2.23, Paul says again, have nothing to do with foolish ignorant controversies you know that they breed quarrels and then i love romans sixteen seventeen, and this is paul's appeal i appeal to you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught avoid them mm. um, and then we get to essentially where paul says well how do we live with disagreements mm. do disagreements happen uh, one favorite passage of mine is if we go to Acts um, chapter 
15, we've got Paul and Barnabas, and I'll do a quick summary. Basically, Paul and Barnabas are about to go on a missionary journey. Uh, Barnabas says, hey, my cousin John Mark is awesome. He should come with us. Paul goes, well, John Mark deserted us in a previous missionary journey. I don't want somebody who deserted us before to come with me. Barnabas says, no, he's my cousin. I think we're not thinking about this rightly. The text says they have a a sharp disagreement. Like this isn't just, you know, a side note. This Mm. is so significant that Paul, in fact, decides to take Silas and he goes to a different place. And Barnabas takes John Mark and he goes to a different place. Wow. We see a disagreement. We see how they handle it we see that they actually don't necessarily reconcile, right? There's no evidence in the text that says, oh, they came to uh, a natural conclusion. But I thought this was really interesting. Think of the outcome of what happens when they dealt with it in a mature way. The gospel multiplies. There's not one missionary journey. Now there are two missionary journeys. Mm -hmm. The gospel proclaims into different places. And I just wonder if we took the high road, If we take an opportunity where we may say we disagree on these categories, but say, Lord, you're calling me to this and I want to be faithful to your word. And we don't bicker about those things, but we actually triple down on where the Lord is calling us to. Mm -hmm. There is multiplied gospel impact that will take place. My last verse, and I'm curious on what uh, Lisa is about to say, because I can see it. You guys can't see her eyes, but I can. (laughs) She's ready. She is ready. Here it comes. This last one here is Philippians 3.16. This is Paul again. Uh, And I think this is good. He says this, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Um, I'm basically going to do a quick summary of Philippians. In Philippians, Paul says there are three types of people. There are the people who hate the gospel. They're the people who are actually doing all these things horribly, um, and they're actually, the words he uses are dogs. They, um, you can look at Philippians 3, 1 through 3. They're dogs, they're evildoers, they're mutilators of the flesh. But then in Philippians 1, 15 through 18, he has this other category of people, those that preach Christ, some in pretense, but others of selfish heart and ambition. But then Paul says, but praise God that Christ is still being preached. I think that when Paul gets to Philippians 3.16, we have to ask the question, who are these other people? If anything, you, who are those you? I think he's actually referring back to Philippians 1, 15 through 18. These people who are preaching Christ, great that they're preaching Christ, but there's something internally that might be sinful, that might be um, self-glorifying, that God is doing a sanctifying work in their lives. And this I'm going to be honest. I don't want Paul to say this. I really don't. Mm. What I want Paul to say is, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, you think otherwise, well, Joel, go ahead and pull out the commentaries and the the dictionaries and prove your point to them to show that they're right. He doesn't say that. He says, God will reveal that also to you. Wow. So there's a sense here that the way that we handle disagreements— it's kind of leaving it up to God because God, and then the flip is also true. What if, again, I don't like this. What if we are the you? Hmm. What if there's something here that God has to reveal to us? What if there's a heart revelation that the Lord needs to do inside of us? And so we're so quickly to disagree because we're so confident in our position but there might be something more that's taking place. Wow. Joel, I really like what you said, and I want to reiterate it 
by bookending the verse that you read from Second Timothy chapter 2, um, you got straight into, and the Lord's servant must, must not be quarrelsome, but look what verses 22 of Second Timothy chapter 2 says, and then verse 26. So these verses bookend that instruction that you pointed out. And it says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. In other words, just like you just said from the other verse you read, like pursue maturity, be mature about this. Don't get involved in arguments that are foolish and stupid. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, uh, but must be kind to everyone. Wow. You know, that that is challenging. But then look really down at verse 25 now. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So I think we're getting at a couple of repetitive themes here. One is that remember the gospel. Remember that we are to be people of multiplication, not people of division. We're to be people that go out and multiply uh, evidence of Jesus's truth in the world. And we are to go out and be disciples, makers. You know, we are to to go out and live this truth. So uh, we are to be mature people. But also we are to be aware that the enemy loves to be a divisive mm-hmm. agent in the world. The the enemy is the is the one who wants division in That's right. all throughout the world. And the Lord wants multiplication of goodness and kindness and gentleness. And so I think that you know these these similar themes are following along. Be a mature person. Don't get involved in stupid, foolish arguments. The Lord's servant must not be so eager to be so quarrelsome. And remember, the enemy has a will, and it is all about divide. That's right. That's right. I'd love to get, like, real practical with this because, you know, we're, we're headed into the holiday season, you know, I know, and you're going to be sitting across the table from Uncle Jack, and he's going to want to talk politics, and you're both believers. Or religion. Or religion. And religious differences, oh, because my goodness. just because you're both believers, there are some topics that are going to come up. He goes to this church, and you go to that church, yes. and so let's just talk practically. How do we do that, guys? Like, how do... I navigate those conversations with those people that I love, but just have such strongly different beliefs than I do. Well, one thing that I try to do, and this sounds very elementary, but it is extremely important that um, we have we have even this saying posted up on the walls here at Proverbs 31 Ministries that we must exchange whispers, whispers with God before shouts with the world. That's right. And, um, you know, the Lord sees what we're about to face every mm-hmm. single day. And as I get into his word, I always remind myself, Lisa, there's a reason that the Lord has you reading these verses because he sees what's coming. Let him prepare your heart. And a really good wisdom preparation like get my heart really synced up with the Lord in wisdom is to go to Proverbs Mm -hmm. and um, read just really wise 
sayings mm. that you can find in the book of Proverbs, but also remember the Lord's daily prayer, Matthew chapter six. And um, so I think one of the keys is preparation, really letting the Lord prepare your heart. That's good. But not only letting the Lord prepare your heart, but go ahead and prepare yourself with some very kind and gentle responses. Mm. And if you have to write them on three by five cards, carry them in your purse. And before you respond, drop your fork at the kitchen table. Reach in your purse. Excuse me. One moment. One moment. I'm going to grab my... Or Meredith, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to. Whatever that is. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. But reach into your purse and just remind yourself of some of these things. So here's some of my responses that I really try to uh, say first off. Um Thank you so much for caring enough about me that you'd want to have this conversation. Mm. You know, and I think something like that, first of all, if they were doing it, if they were doing a jab just to see, you know, how you would respond. Because, you know, some people really like conflict. It's like the thing that they look forward to. They want to argue. Um, But I think you've got to sort of diffuse and disarm it. Just Mm. say, wow, I can... I can see that you are incredibly passionate about the Bible. I love that about you, Mm. you know, or wow, I can see you're really passionate about America. You know, I love that you are so invested in your political stance and tell me more, help me understand, Mm. help me understand why this is so important to you. I would imagine something happened in your life that made this issue incredibly important. Help me understand, show me a time in your life where this became really important. And do you see what's happening there is it's not sidestepping the issue, Mm -hmm. But it's caring for the heart of the person before we dig into the issue. Which I think is exactly what Jesus was referencing in that daily prayer of that heart of humility, of confession and forgiveness, of recognizing. And that brings your humanity into the picture so that you can see their humanity. Mm -hmm. So good, Lisa. But then I think also on the flip side, you have to have some really good boundaries too. Mm, That's right. And if you know that you've talked about this with Uncle Bob 16 times, and all 16 times it's ended in a disaster, Yeah, right? Then you just can go ahead and say to Uncle Bob, hey, Uncle Bob, you know, we've talked about this so many times. I know you're so passionate. The other 16 times we've talked about it hadn't gone real well. So I am actually drawing a boundary here and it is not to keep you away from me. It is to hold myself together. Right. And when we talk about this, I have a hard time holding myself together. Thank you so much for respecting my boundary today at Christmas. I think some I think somebody listening right now needs to write that whole sentence down. <laughs> because the yeah. idea of just saying we've had this conversation before yeah. and I love you so much that I don't want to destroy yeah. our relationship yeah. by going back to you know, unsettled battles. That's so yeah. good. So yeah. good. Well, Mary, so good. this goes back to what we, well, not we, I wasn't in therapy and theology, but Lisa and Joel were in therapy and theology in our first series. Well, we, we were in therapy. Yeah. But then but you were talking about yeah. theology. Yeah. Um, it just sounded funny great. there. You were in therapy. You know, when Joel and Lisa were in therapy. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, separately. Uh, basically. Well, you're welcome, separately. everyone. In our recent episode this year, Thank you. You, know, you guys talked about forgiveness reconciliation regarding like a a relationship and marriage. But I also think that the forgiveness and reconciliation difference applies to this as well with what you just talked about with Uncle Bob about, you know, I can forgive maybe that 
he might not believe what I believe. Like I can set that aside in the morning when I pray, but I love Joel, what you were talking about earlier about how God handles the rest. And I think a lot of times where the enemy tries to creep in is he wants to make us think that it's all up to us, Mm -hmm. that I've got to die on this hill or I'm never going to get over it. But at some point there's got to be a letting go And continuing over the relationship, but maybe not talk about the topic because the relationship is more important than that reconciliation mm. on our beliefs on this And wouldn't topic. the enemy just love for you and Uncle Bob yeah. to be stay mad at each other yeah. the entire time at the Thanksgiving yeah. table mm-hmm. and not talk to each other when you leave? Like, wouldn't the enemy love that? Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's take this, let's take it one more step to another practical place. We're taking it from the dinner table. To the cell phones, Mm. y'all. Social media. Mm. How do we handle Mm -hmm. these disagreements that we see on social media? Because I I have seen my fair share of other believers coming after other believers and just throwing stones. How do we handle it in the arena of social media? I just think to start with, I think we need to pay wise, wise counsel to these scripture references that we've already looked at of what does this produce and an awareness mm-hmm. of on i mean literally hundreds potentially hundreds of thousands of eyeballs that the only representation of who Jesus is and what the goodness of the gospel is is the the relationship exchange comment exchanges on twitter or on social media mm-hmm. um lisa talked about how good proverbs is well proverbs twenty six twenty one: as charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire so is a quarrelsome man the hebrew word there is person humanity for kindling strife wow so just pause and let's just think i mean this is what i need to do because my natural bent is ooh, let's correct this Ooh, let's, and I have to think, am I, one, do I have the relationship equity? Can I go directly to the person? Is this even my call that God has even given to me? And am I potentially going to throw a charcoal, Mm -hmm. a hot ember into a wood fire that's going to cause this thing to explode and burn up Mm -hmm. and devastate, divide and disunify the people of God and create a destructive barrier for those that desperately need the gospel. Joel, I really like that verse. And, you know, sticking with 2 Timothy, again, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, it says in verse 14, keep reminding God's people of these things, warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and it only ruins those who listen, which you already referenced that verse, but right behind it in verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the truth. Verse 16, avoid godless chatter Mm -hmm. because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Mm. So I think, you know, the Bible is full of examples of what can happen if we don't keep a tight rein on our tongue. And it's not just our lips, but it's our flying fingertips too, right? right. Typing out things. But I have two things that, that I have as a rule of thumb with my social media. Uh, Number one, I want to create an atmosphere with my social media. I can't go out there and fix social media at large, mm-hmm. but I can create an atmosphere of gentle responses on my social media. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes when people say something, I won't um, respond because I don't want to bring attention and help them set fire to my little corner of the world, right? Yeah. But if I do respond, 
I will again say thank you so much for caring enough about me that you, you know, have looked into this or that Mm -hmm. you would ask me about this or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's honoring the person, even if there's nothing honorable about their statement. You can honor a person. You don't have to honor their statement. Um, But creating an atmosphere of gentle responses and and good behavior on your own social media will attract those kind of people that like using social media for positive purposes. Um, But then also make good use of the delete button. Not everybody needs an answer. If somebody is just trying Mm -hmm. to stir up trouble or post something snarky, Mm -hmm. maybe they just had a really ugly argument with somebody that they love. Maybe they're carrying some hurt Mm -hmm. and some burdens or whatever. Do them a favor by just deleting their comment. I mean, that might be one of the kindest things that (laughs) anybody's done in a long time. But just realize that every single thing that we do here on earth, Mm -hmm. it creates a ripple effect through the earth. And if you are willing to stop the negativity cycle that you know, somebody probably did something negative to that person who did something negative to this person who did something negative to this person, right? It, be- it causes this ripple effect of negativity and you giving a gentle response or just deleting a comment mm-hmm. and not perpetuating the negativity might be when you get to heaven, one of the most epic things you do. I'm convinced wow. of it. I love that. Well, I want to end our time with a final question um, because Joel, you're idea of, you know, and what you kind of taught from is that what Jesus wants from us as a body of believers is unity. If we're supposed Mm -hmm. to reflect our creator and he's in perfect unity, um, as the triune God, I would love for both of you to answer this question in your own way. And that is how do we make steps towards unity as a body of believers. I'll jump in first. um, And I would say, I think one of the greatest things we could do is to not react, Hmm. but to really go before the Lord and say, Lord, what do I need to do in my flesh? I want to have a stellar comeback right now. That's right. You know, Mm because I have Italian blood on me, which means like, In me, my firecrackers flowing through all this right here. And uh, I have the curse of the comeback, which means I can think of just stellar zingers, right? Mm. That feels so good in the moment. Mm. But later when I'm laying on my bed and I'm thinking, you know, was that really necessary? Yeah. I mean, did that really do anything good? So I think a pause and not respond, not reacting so quickly, but really asking the Lord, help me have a gentle response here. Mm -hmm. And if you're not sure if it's gentle, then show it to a friend Mm -hmm. who you have often thought, man, they really know how to use their words in kind ways Mm -hmm. and get a friend to help you respond. Ask, ask if you, if it, if it even needs a response. Mm -hmm. I I remember one time my friend, Angela Thomas, uh, she told me that to some of the ugly uh, emails that she gets. She's a Bible teacher too. And she just says in response back to them, you might be right. We'll sort it out in heaven. And that's it. (laughs) That's right. And, you know, I think just Mm -hmm. sometimes like, do we need to respond? And if we do, can we pause? And if we can't figure it out, let's get a friend to help us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, let's really understand that we don't want today's reaction to become tomorrow's regret. Mm -hmm. That's good, Mm -hmm. Lisa. That's great. I would just say, 
that often when we fight and we triple down on these disagreements, it's because underneath the scenes there might be this understanding or this desire to control. Mm. Control mm-hmm. the issue, control the outcome, control the scenario, the situation. Control the conversation. Control mm-hmm. the conversation. And I think one of the things that we continuously see throughout Scripture mm-hmm. is that we have to be reminded that in order to work towards uni- unity, we need to fully embrace God's sovereignty. So when mm-hmm. we look back at Barnabas and Paul, it's really, I mean, again, I'm so thankful for Scripture. In Second Timothy 4.11 this is years and years later, right? Like they had this sharp disagreement. They all, um, things are, don't seem like they're ever going to work themselves out. Well, Lisa has a great saying, there's always a what, Lisa? There's always a meanwhile. Mm-hmm. Well, check out 2 Timothy 4.11. Luke, this is Paul saying, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. Mm-hmm. So somehow in God's sovereignty and his authority, there was a meanwhile, mm-hmm. and he's working out this relationship to produce even unity that I don't know that Paul and Barnabas would have even seen in that time period. That's right. And mm-hmm. I think this works against our natural fleshly response. Yeah. We yeah. want to be in control, and that's even maybe one of the reasons why we get into yeah. these bitter disagreements. But when we can release and allow God to do what he wants to do, we're perfectly positioned mm-hmm. to walk out the calling that God has for us. Mm-hmm. So wow. good. That's so good. Um, I think that's a, this is a good thing to close on, as Lisa, what you said. One of the greatest things that we can do is to not react. And mm-hmm. that's what I want to leave our listeners with today. And maybe the best thing that you can do right now if you're listening is to just stop this in your car or on your bed, whatever you're listening right now, and just pray about whatever's on your mind. Because mm-hmm. I know when I hear something like this, the Lord always leads me to take action in some way. And it might be forgiveness or it might be just releasing it to the Lord. So um, do whatever he's leading you to do and be obedient to his call. So good. And as we wrap up this episode, I really just want to thank Lisa and Joel um, for your willingness to step into a sticky conversation. Um that's hard. It's hard mm-hmm. to navigate. How do we disagree as mm-hmm. believers? And I'm just grateful that our conversation is always founded on scriptural truth mm-hmm. and that we can trust um, the words in our Bible wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and for our listeners today, I really hope that this um, episode has encouraged you and has helped move you forward in your faith. If it has, we would love to hear all about mm-hmm. it. Hit us up on iTunes. Give us a review because it encourages us to keep on going um, as you let us know how it's changing your life. And that's about all we have time for today. We pray this conversation has helped you know the truth of God's word and live out that truth because when you do, it really will change everything. Everything.